everybody. Welcome back to Best Friends Club podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Renee. And this is season one, episode 15, the one with the stoned guy. (laughs) I love this episode. I do too. I love John Lovitz. He's just so funny. He is. And I love that we get to see him again many, many moons from now. I was thinking about that. It's one of the like, it's a hilarious character return. I'm so glad they did it. I'm glad you remember that. Steve, Steve, the restaurant guy. So Chandler is in his cubicle and he's just like slapping the keyboard, basically data entry, I guess. (laughs) And this lady walks up Ross and he was like, she's like, the big boss wants to speak to you. And he's like, may I say that's a very flattering sleeve length on you. Long sleeve. It's, it's like, well, it's like seven eighths quarter sleeve. So it's like Mm -hmm. just her like wrists and just a a bit shy of her wrists are poking out, Mm -hmm. which is hysterical. I actually think she might be the character that Roz from Monsters, Inc. is based off of. (laughs) Loosely based. Loosely based off of this extra, probably. Don't know. If you're one of the writers of Monsters, Inc., write into us and tell us. We'd love to hear. Um, but yeah, so so she's like, go, go see the big boss. So he comes back to the apartment and he was like, big boss, big Al, calls me into his office and offers me to make me like the team lead, basically. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's great. Which concerning he's supposed to be what, like 25 or something? Mm-hmm. That is really good. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's definitely under 30. Yeah. And so to be like, you know, head of one of the teams or one of the departments, or whatever, is awesome. And so he's like, so I quit. And they're like, what? Why? And he's like, I don't want to be one of those guys who's up worrying about the weenus. Right. Like it's a real word. Like it's a real word, which is the weekly estimated net usage systems. And that brings me to my next question. What is processing? Mm, I don't know. Because look, I, I understand data entry. I get that. That's kind of a standard job. But like when he's like, "Oh, I," it's like a it's a data processing term. And so I'm like, "Are you guys like counting? Like, are we? T- are you like counting, counting the data? data? Do you count the data?" I don't get it. So I kind of get why nobody understands what Chandler does for a job. And I think I don't mm-hmm. remember if this is the first episode where it happens, but thus begins or like, you know, part of the start of like, nobody ever understands what Chandler does for a job. Mm-hmm. And this starts us off on that journey. And like, gotta say though, the way that he talks about it, like, what are you counting? What do you mean processing of what? Servers? Well, it's like, it's like a processing fee when you buy tickets to a concert. Maybe that's how Chandler gets paid. <laughs> It's like, why do you have to process it? Like I pushed a button and then you gave me tickets. I get like admin fees. I, you know what I don't get is convenience fees. It's not convenient for anybody. It's not convenient for me. If I had the option of any other way to buy this ticket, I would have, but you don't, you can give me a convenience fee if you also give me another choice. But when you give me no choice, that's not a, that's like, I think we ran out of choices when people stopped having like CD stores. Well, I was going to say like, look, you can, I can like line up in front of will call and yeah, that's annoying. So you can say like, or for a convenience fee of $4, you can just like print it at home. I get that. Mm -hmm. But 
but by being like, well, we don't have a will call, so you have to print these at home. That'll be four dollars, like for the convenience. Like, you're not allowed to make my choices for me. For the convenience of nothing. Yeah, for the convenience of us making more money off of you, and then not having to pay somebody to sit at will call. So I see what mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, so he comes back and is like, um, I quit. This was supposed to be a temp job. Uh, you know, if I if I take this, it'll be like my real job, and I don't want to do that. And so he decides to go get an aptitude test and see like what career is right for him, mm-hmm. which have you ever thought about doing that or doing it or what are, what are your thoughts? I've never done one, but I also, I don't like tests like that because I feel like I'm answering the way someone wants me to answer. I don't know who someone is, but you don't feel like you're honest when you answer it or like the questions themselves are like, Yeah, not that I'm not honest when I answer it, but I almost answer it to my, like, fantasy self. Like your best self. My best self. Like, my best self wants to exercise every day. Right, 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 Mm -hmm. right. So I feel like I tend to answer those types of tests and personality tests, honestly. I think that's why I was an ENFP in college, because I answered to, like, my best, most fun self. But I'm really not an ENFP. What's your Myers-Briggs now? Oh, I'm an E something, something, something. Okay. So <laughs> I think know. I'm an E, N, I, I really split evenly, E-N-T-P, E-N-T-J. Okay. I, I really, so I took the test twice in recent years. Well, I actually took it a few times, but I answered once like with the varying degrees of, you know, like I'm like, oh, well, I'm kind of like that. Yeah. But then I took it again and I just answered either 100% or zero. And right. I literally got 50 because every time I take it, I'm like 49, 51 on the right. T and the P. So I really am split on that, but otherwise I'm E N. Whichever, whichever. T- yeah. Yeah. S or F. No. Oh, e E N. Wait, I can't remember. T. Yeah. I'm E N T. Okay. Oh, it's confusing. Um, I took it once in high in college, and I got ESFP, mm-hmm. which I loved because I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is like the most fun one." Um, and then I took it again, like three years into my career, mm-hmm. and we did it as part of like a team building thing at work, and I got ESTJ, but mm-hmm. my T was like three points over to the side, and my J was only one point over to the side. And so, like, it was, like, very close. Um, It was, like, very close to the, like, neutral line. Yeah, I think that, like, what you need to be matters a lot, too. Like, I don't think I was answering it any differently, but I was just thinking about, like, well, how do I actually act? And Uh in, like, a high-power corporate environment, I had to act a certain way. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's, like, that coming out. Yep. I totally get that. Yeah, I'm either... E-N-T-J or E-N-T-P. E-N-T-J. Okay. Um, you have taken your Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like you were answering it your best self in that one? Yes. I mean, and if you listen to like the descriptions, I am a two without, like I could try to pretend I'm something else, but I'm 100% a two. That's what I thought too. So that's why I was wondering, like, because I, as soon as I was like, oh yeah, helper Renee, like 100%. Yeah. But yeah. I wasn't sure if 
you, yeah, if that was like what you thought you were getting just because you were answering it, like with what you're supposed to say or something like no. that. And I think like at this point in my life, I'm probably more honest with how I answer those kind of things. You know, um, I can just see, I'm less worried about how other people want me to be, even though that's like a really big two thing for doing Enneagram talk. Um, but yeah, I can see my like own strengths and weaknesses, but yeah, I am at two 100%. And what's really funny is you're a nine, right? Well, I've taken it a few times and once I've got nine and once I've got one. Uh, the funny thing, Ash, is that when I first heard you were a nine, I was like, absolutely not. Nines are really passive and mousy and things that annoy me. And the more I read about it, I think you really are a nine, but not nines don't show up. It's not even, well, not that you're not healthy, but like, I think it shows up differently. And I also think that we have a lot of learned behavior between the two of us. Like, I know that you need things to be certain ways. Like I know you probably need me to offer certain things that you don't want to interject your opinion. So I don't think of you as mousy because I'm like, well, do you want to do this or this? And you'd rather just choose than like have to make the whole decision. I don't know. But I think that's just because I've known you for 20 years. Right. That's another, that's another good so, point is like, interesting. you've, you've known me as a collective as well. And so it's quite different, but it's funny that yeah. you're, you're too, like no questions asked, but yeah. Um, I've, so back to Chandler's aptitude tests. Um, right. <laughs> I have also, I've never, well, I've like done the kind that you can like do for free online, but I've never like actually given serious thought, but that's because I feel like I'm very lucky in that, like I went to university got like a bachelor's and got a master's and then wound up in a career that I've really enjoyed since day one and so Mm -hmm. like I've never really I guess had to be like "Ooh, what am I meant to do what should I be because I I I really like what I'm doing Mm -hmm. but in that same vein you and I share the similarities with Chandler that nobody understands what we do for work not a single one no it's like one, like sometimes like when you get the question, like, so what do you do for work? I'm like, Oh, like, I'm yeah. just like, should I just lie and say like teach sixth grade? Cause at least people right. like, can, can imagine what that right. is. <laughs> so do you want to try to tell the listeners what you do for work? Yeah. Okay. Um, sure. I work for myself, which is my job. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. That is my job. But um, sometimes that's just what I say to move on the conversation. But if you want to know more, I've recently started saying that I run a full service creative agency, which makes it sound a lot fancier than it actually is. But it's because I do a little bit of a lot of things and I'm not committed to one thing where like teach sixth grade would be very specific. Um so I do a few things. One of the things I do is I produce photo shoots and video shoots. So my role would be producer and the things I would do would be like hire models, secure locations, um, make sure that all the crew communicates with each other and make sure that everything is like ready to go ahead of time and gets executed smoothly on the day or days. Um, so it's a lot of little things, but really it comes down to like being organized and being a people person, which I'm good at. So it works out well. Um, and then the other things I do, I do some project management and then I do some more traditional like PR type stuff, which is actually what I went to school for and what my first job was, um, press releases, social media campaigns, all that cool stuff. 
but yeah, hire me for your next photo shoot project or PR campaign. The three P's. I like to say three P's. So if you understand any of that, you're ahead of the curve. Yeah. That's good. That was a good yeah. summary. But you can you see so? how it's not like, so, so what do you do? You can't just be like. <laughs> it's not straightforward. Well, and when I say I run photo shoots, most people say, oh, how long have you been doing photography? I'm like, no, like, I don't take the pictures. Right. But it's hard. Like if you've never been on a shoot, it's hard. Like, not that it's hard to think about, but you just don't really think about the other stuff that goes into it. You just think like it's a model and a photographer and they take a picture and then you see a campaign, but there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes. Right. But that's where I thrive. I thrive as a two on the Enneagram. I thrive in a situation where somebody needs me to make something happen. I'm very motivated by that. So if you need somebody to get something done, I'm your person. That's good. Just mention that you need me to do it and I'll do it probably. She's already there with. I'm over, I've already done it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that's what I do. And Ashley, you want to tell us what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a change manager and often it has to do with behavioral change or technology usage um, changes within an organization. So if an example would be like if your company decides they want to get a new software, like maybe a new HR portal or something like that, um, you obviously need to like buy the software, configure it. You've got all the developers that are doing all that stuff. Make sure it plugs in with all of your other systems, like maybe your payroll or your um, time entry system or your like training portal. If you know, you want to offer people training courses through it or something like that. Um, So there's other people that do all the like technical integration. What I do is I figure out, okay, who is going to be affected by this change? Like directly affected, indirectly affected, Maybe it's people that just use it once a year. Maybe it's the support desk and they need to know how to answer like help calls about it. So I identify all the people and then I go to what, like what varying degrees are they going to be affected because they have to be treated differently based on how impacted they are. And then I'll create a plan for how to engage with them, how to make them aware of what's going on. um, When are the major milestones that we need to talk to them about? What kind of training do they need? And then how do we measure their usage once we go live with the, with the new way of working, be that a software or a behavior or something. Um, yeah. How do we measure that they're actually still doing it and how do we re- reinforce that change, remove obstacles, etc. So in summary, we are both transponsters. Yeah. So if you don't understand any of that or don't care to understand it, just say we are a firefighter and a policeman. Yeah. We'll take that. Which one do you want to be? Uh, policeman. Okay, good. Thank God. Cause I don't want to have a gun. I'll be the fire. No, I don't want to deal with fire. Uh, I'd choose. <laughs> you will. We both have possibilities of dog partners though. Oh my gosh. So it's looking up. It's looking up. <laughs> For anyway. our fake careers. For our, fa- our fake careers are just brilliant. So mm-hmm. anyway, so that's what we do. Um, yeah. And so, so we totally feel Chandler's like transponster. Like, wait, what do you do? Data processing, mm-hmm. confusion. We don't care about the weenus, but we get it. It's a KPI and he needs to know. We get it. Oh, I don't know so, what a KPI is. Oh, key performance indicator. Don't worry about it. It's on the out. Ugh. Buzzwords. So anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Business talk. <laughs> 
So that was one of the plot lines in this episode is Chandler's job, Sicho. And so to wrap that one up, he takes eight hours of aptitude tests and blah, 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 blah. And he finds out he is best suited for a career in data processing at a large multinational corporation, a.k.a. the job he what he's already doing. And what's yeah. funny is that he does this a second time when he quits this job again. And Monica decides to make all these oh, yeah. files organized by color and alphabetical. And the first one she says is advertising. And he's like, that sounds good. And that's what yeah, he yeah. does. He's like, he's oh, like sorry, you wasted all this time. And she's like, you call eight hours alone with my label maker a waste of time? Yeah. I feel you, girl. I feel you. Yeah. So it's really an, an exercise for her. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's right. So he does leave again and gets into advertising. Um, but so, so he's like, no, I'm not doing this. But then they're like, oh, that guy from the agency keeps calling again and again and again. And so he gets on the phone and he's like, stop saying numbers. It's not about the money. And then eventually he cracks and he's like, I'll see you Monday. <laughs> so we have to assume that he's got a fat raise and is now a team leader and ends up caring about the weenus. He does. And he does care there's about the this like sideline where he's dating this girl that looks kind of like Mila Kunis. But it's mm-hmm. not really worth a mention, is it? I guess it is. He dates this girl at work. He's supposed to like, she's on his team. She's bad at her job, apparently. She's supposed to get fired. He's supposed to fire her. And instead, he ends up dating her. And then making everybody at work think she's crazy. Right. And that's why he can't fire her because she's <laughs> she's crazy. Oh, they keep taking your stapler. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So then at the end, he does eventually admit he gets found out. He doesn't admit it because he's such a good guy. He gets found out that he was like trying to get right. a psychological <laughs> profile sent to HR. So, um, yeah, so that's, that happens. So then there's two other, um, plot lines. I, I, th- I feel like I did them out of order because the Ross one is probably my least favorite. Um, but it's fine. There's the Ross one as well. So Ross is going on this date with the bug lady Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love you Ross (laughs) Um, but I can't remember what her actual title is but he he's like oh I think I'm going to take her back to my place and hang out with my monkey and he actually means take her back to meet Marcel Mm -hmm. he meant it literally he meant it literally Um, and so we like fast forward to them at his apartment and Marcel is like dangling off of her braid and she's like screaming and like flailing mm-hmm. around. Um, speaking of that date though, do you recognize that extra? No. So in this show, her name is Celia. Oops, sorry. Her name is Celia. She is Michael's, she is in the office as Michael Scott's love interest. Oh, see, I wasn't as into The Office as you were. Yeah, okay. So for those of you who were into it, um, I can't remember her name or anything. That's been so long since I've watched it. But she's, like, from corporate, I'm pretty sure, comes in. She and Michael Scott have, like, a fling thing. And then she ends up – I can't remember if she has his baby or if she, like, went to a sperm bake and she has a baby named Astrid or something. Right, so I think that might have been – I mean, it's probably one of the biggest things that I've seen – that actress do but maybe she's been other stuff who knows anyway so she's ross's date um and so 
they, she's like, talk to me. And he's like, funny thing happened on the way home from the subway. She's like, no, 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 talk dirty. And he can't. And so they end up just like cuddling. And so Joey's like, right, if you want to sleep with this woman, you're going to have to learn how to dirty talk. And Ross is understandably very uncomfortable with Joey wanting to practice this with him. Um, Mm -hmm. But so they're Um, unlike Ashley, who is fully comfortable talking about this right now. Yeah, clearly. Butts, butts, boobs. <laughs> um, yeah, so so Joey's like, just say what you want to do to me. And so Ross is like, I want to run my tongue over your body until you're trembling with, and then they hear this noise, and it turns out Chandler's come out of his room and is watching them, and he's like, with... And it's so funny. And he's like, I love that, like, they try to explain. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I was always rooting for you, too. Like, he either knows what they're doing yeah. or he's just, like, he, like, doesn't. Like, if I walked into a room and two of my friends were, like, dirty talking each other, I'd be like, what what, what possible scenario did this come up? I think I think I would probably just go back into my Yeah, room. that's probably a fair. Like, I'll be like, <laughs> okay, bye, guys. <laughs> That's enough for me. Just here for my Uber Eats. So yeah. So um, anyway, so then Ross, it works because then after the second date, they're like, oh, how did it go this time? And he's like, it was amazing. I was a wizard. We There was plot lines and characters. And at one point there were villagers. <laughs> and and then they're like, so did anything happen? And he's like, well, after all the dirty talk, we were kind of tired. So we fell asleep, but we cuddled. I don't know that he ever actually feels the, deal. feels the deal with Celia, but we know that he's learned a new skill and that's dirty talking. I guess so. Good job, Ross. Good job. Congrats on all the dirty talk. <laughs> Thanks Joey for your pearls of wisdom. Yeah. But them doing it, them like trying to talk oh, to each other is pretty so hilarious. funny. So funny. So this is just like we've said, like friends is really, it's, it's in a good groove. Like, cause they're in these mm-hmm. ridiculous scenarios, but they've now brought all of the viewers along with them where it's not just like these crazy, ridiculous, there's a monkey and then the lesbian ex-wife with mm-hmm. the baby. Like it all makes sense somehow. Like we've come along and we're mm-hmm. like, yeah, how did we get up? How did we wind up here? Like this right. just is life and it's funny. So so that one's pretty good. And then the best plot line. Oh, oh it's the best. The best one. So Phoebe has a massage client named Steve, and he wants to open a new restaurant. He's looking for a head chef. So she offers the job to Chandler because, as we know, Chandler quit his job. <laughs> and Monica's like, um, hello. And she's like, no, I thought of you. But, like, you have a job. Chandler needs one. So anyway, <laughs> Phoebe, bless her. Um, I love the part in the I, I love when they're talking about it and Chandler's like, sorry, Phoebes, just don't see myself in a big white hat. And she's like, okay. And she like goes to sit back on the couch and she just like stretches her arms and like, like waits yeah, a minute. Like, and she like, looks at Monica and she's like, oh, Monica, do you want this job? Right. And it's like, I just love how she just like, do, 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 do. Oh, oh, right. So it's just, I don't know. Lisa Kudrow. So good. Just, she's adorable. So. Um, so she offers Monica this job and Monica's like so excited. She goes to see the restaurant with Steve, John Lovitz, and it's like this perfect size and she can't wait. And she gets to like do the whole menu, which like we were saying, she's what, like 25, 26. That yeah, is yeah, an awesome opportunity in New York. So she's going to get to become a chef. So she wants to have one of the girls from her current job come waitress for her so that everything looks really professional and perfect. And I'm assuming just so like she can talk and not have to worry about 
you know, bussing, you know, washing dishes and bussing and running food out and that kind of stuff. Smart. She's prepared. Mm-hmm. Very much like a, a, something Renee would do. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, um, my sister recently got married and was like, I really want Renee to come just because Renee is like such a big part of our family and like the third sister. But also she was like, um, Renee's like, so like, like, like you've just said, Renee, you are like, if somebody needs something done, you've probably already done it. And so my sister knows this and was like, I would love Renee to just come be the like on the day wedding coordinator girl. And it was going to be like a chill wedding in the backyard. Like, but you know, that still has all of its own, like, well, that means really DIY and there's plenty of stuff that needs to be done. So my sister was mm-hmm. like, can't, you know, we'd really love Renee to come do that. Um, and Renee shows up in Minnesota and is like, oh, um, I hired an, an intern. I hope that's okay. And we were like, wait, what? <laughs> Needed a production assistant. So Renee was like, yeah, I just like put a call out on whatever website you used and was like, mm-hmm. hey, if anybody needs some more experience for their resume, um, I have like this unpaid internship opportunity and like, you'll help me out for the day, be my like second assistant and I'll write you a really good recommendation. Yep. Pretty and much. we all thought that that was hysterical because <laughs> May was like just coming along like as a family friend and was like, Oh, don't worry. I've got help. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, I really wouldn't have pulled it off without her. You don't think so? It would have been a lot of work for me to do by myself. Well, but you weren't by yourself. You had Matt. It would have been a lot of work for me to do With without her okay. or Matt. Yeah. Gotcha. It, it was pretty hard. It was definitely a lot of work. Oh, I know. You guys were like, not a glass was empty. Not a plate was left out. Like nothing was out of place. It was perfect. I don't just- mess around. I also think that people assume DIY weddings are like super low maintenance and that could not be farther from the truth. They're more maintenance because when you pay to do stuff, someone else does it. And there's like a million little people running around when you're doing it yourself, you're doing it or your friends are doing it or me and the production assistant are doing it. Right. You and the intern. Um, Yeah. Which is fine. I was happy to do it and it went really well. And like, you guys did an amazing job. There was a, it was a small amount of people. So it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but yeah, it was just, I just, if I'm going to do something, I'm going all out. I'm not going to do it halfway. So share a lot. So (laughs) so in a very Renee move, Monica has a greeter girl. Hello. Greeter girl. Um, Greeter girl. Oh, right. And it's Rachel. So, right. So that happens because the girl from work, Wendy, um, cancels on Monica last minute. So she has, so she has to ask Rachel and Rachel's like really rude about it. Well, because she was pissed that Monica didn't ask her in the first place. Yeah. But Rachel can't get like, Rachel's a terrible waitress. Like she can't, she she always gets the orders wrong. And so I feel like Monica was trying to be nice by being like, I just need this night to go really perfectly. Wendy's just really professional. And so she was trying to spare her friend's feelings, but like Monica's a control freak. She wants it done perfectly. Rachel literally brings out the wrong order every time. So it's like, I don't blame her, but I wish she would have just been like, I don't know. I don't know how you like avoid conflict and be like, like Rach, every time I go to the coffee shop, you give me the wrong thing. Like Rachel was like, obviously going to get offended one way or another. Right. It was kind of unavoidable, but it worked out in the end. 
It worked out in the end. She made her pay her 20 bucks an hour. So I mean, a 94 is a lot of money. Well, Wendy was only going to get 10 and she's a professional waitress. So I know a lot lot of money. Uh, Back then people were still making like $2 an hour in the restaurant industry plus tips. So, you know, right. I mean, here in Tennessee, they still make two thirteen an hour. That is such a tragedy, honestly. I know. Because the Isn't idea that horrible? is that, like, oh, well, you'll get enough tips to make up for it. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's and not if you guaranteed. Don't, well, and if you don't get enough tips, they have to pay you minimum wage. Oh, that's horrible. It is horrible. Yeah. We should not be responsible as consumers to pay servers. They should be paid well and then tipped for good service. For good service. That's it. Because so many but, people don't know that people only actually make $2 and that, like, if mm-hmm. you don't tip. But also, like, the there's so many things that like the wrong food, like, you know, like the, the Which food not wasn't their fault. good or it was yep. slow or like it's a bad quality that day. Like mm-hmm. that's not the server's fault, but inevitably the server pays for that. Yeah. 100%. And like literally pays. It's just not right. I think they should get a, a living wage plus tips if they do a good job. Mm-hmm. Not all states are like that, but the state there's a lot of restaurants. Unfortunately. I've heard there's a lot of restaurants that are trialing like the no tip thing in America. Yeah. It, I think it's hard though. Cause it's still really cultural. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I don't think tips are a bad thing, but I don't think that people should have to depend on tips for a no. living wage. No, they shouldn't because that's so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. inconsistent. I've got to say not living in America anymore. It's not been forever. It's only been like three years, but I do not miss having to tip. I don't know if you felt that way when you were in England. Like, I still it's tipped. actually really nice. Did you? I, I still felt the need to tip. It wasn't a lot, but I still felt the need to like at least leave a dollar at a bar or a few dollars at a restaurant. Because I know I will, people really appreciated it. I will only do it sometimes if it's like yeah. we're at like a super fancy restaurant or something was like outstanding. You also um, never worked in a restaurant. No, that's true. I know. And, and so I think I have that like in the back of my mind always. But you worked at a restaurant where you had to have tips to get a living wage. People I like, did. and people here don't get most of them don't get minimum wage. They actually get a little bit more than minimum. Yeah. And then so yeah, so I I do still tip sometimes. Oh, like yeah. um, if I go to a hotel, we'll tip the staff, um, like that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do those sorts of things. But no, I don't really tip at restaurants. Also, food is insanely expensive here. Yeah. It is. So I can't really afford to like eat out and tip and all that stuff. I also still, I still tip like 15 or 20% on takeout, which is ridiculous. Guess what? I just say it, Renee. Well, I just remember being a hostess and getting to keep all the tips from the takeout orders mm-hmm. and then being like a really nice treat. Yeah, that's true. So I always have that in the back of my mind and I feel bad not doing that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Right. So we're back in the apartment. And so... Phoebe brings Steve up and um, Monica's giving Steve the tour of the apartment and Rachel's like, and Phoebe's like, tells Rachel, like when we were in the cab on the way over, Steve blazed up a doobie. And so basically Steve's high, hence the one with the stoned guy. A doobie. And like (laughs) Monica doesn't quite get it. And so she's like, what? No. And so she's like, okay, to start, we have a rock shrimp ravioli with a with a cilantro ponzu and I was like what anyway he just like eats everything and the garnish like in one bite and he's like I can eat a hundred of these and she's like oh okay well you have to wait a few minutes <laughs> and, until the next course and um 
And then he's like, taco shells, we got to eat these. Macaroni, we got to make this. Yeah. I was felt that one. I was like, mac and cheese, dude. Like, Oh, I love mac and cheese. And every time, okay, in college, we would go out on Thursday nights. Every time when we got back, we'd like make a big pot of mac and cheese. Because mm-hmm. it's it the was, best. And now that's what I want for dinner. Yeah, is that what you're going to have oh. for dinner? Oh, if we had any, I would eat that. I think we're, I don't think we have any. See, my, my problem is, is I never buy junk food. Right. And so then when I want it, I can't have it. It's smart until I want it. Right. Um, do you have a block of cheese? No, I try Steak. not to eat too much dairy. Cause I was going to say you could make your own cheese sauce. Yeah. I could make my wonderful husband go get me some mac and cheese. He would totally do it. That works. Or, or Postmates, you know, one of the two. They work too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so, um, he is like flying through all of their food and he's like, starts eating all of these, like, I don't know, Cheerios or whatever. And like, um, what are those Teddy Grahams? I think he's eating Teddy Grahams. Like, <laughs> I love Teddy Grahams. Only so chocolate funny. though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the rest of them weren't as good. Yeah. Those were, yeah. T- I don't think I was actually allowed to eat Teddy Grahams or maybe I just really? chose it. Yeah. My mom didn't want us eating a bunch of like chocolatey cereal or like there's like cookie crisp or like Reese's cereal. They weren't a cereal. They were a snack. Teddy Graham? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Why did I think? Okay. Yeah. I just, I didn't, never really ate those, but they were tasty yeah. when I did. But, um, yeah, so she pretty sure she kicks him out of the apartment mm-hmm. because for his poor behavior. And so, oh, I remember what happens. Right. So at the end, they're like, so what happened? And she's like, well, he ate a refrigerator magnet. And we were like, don't eat that. It looks like fruit, but it's a refrigerator magnet. So, <laughs> so we dropped him off at the hospital and left him. And so, yeah, so needless to say, Monica's not getting her own restaurant. And then at the very end, um, Phoebe has him back on her massage table. And she's like, does that hurt? How about now? And she's like stabbing <laughs> him with her elbows. And he's like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I love John Lovitz. So no, he's um, so good. The other thing from that plot line is Monica's like making all these dishes to test out. And she's having everyone try them. And when Chandler gets back, she's like, here, try this. And it's this like teeny tiny little like crostini. And he's like, you know what? I had a grape earlier, so I'm all good. <laughs> and she's like, it's an amuse bouche. And that is how I learned what an amuse bouche was. Same. Be surprised how often it comes up in like normal oh, really? conversation. <laughs> yes. Do you never ever have to talk about uh, amuse bouche? I don't have too many amuse bouche conversations, but I'm glad I know what it is. Yeah. I was surprised how many times a pre appetizer. Yeah, which feels excessive, but you know. It does, but I love when I go to restaurants and they send one over. Mm, So fancy. You eat at fancy places. It's not even the fanciest places, but yeah, when they come out and they're like, oh, the starter, and I'm like, yes, and it's like a tasty little snack. Snacky snack. Snick snack. Yeah. So, um, look, I think that's everything. We've got. Chandler with his job we've got the girls with the stoned guy and we've got Ross and Joey talking dirty to each other <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that's all the goods I just I think John Lovitz just does such a good job he's so funny and everybody's just yeah they're all they're all really they're really in their groove and it's it's really fun 
It's a really fun time to be watching Friends. It is fun. I love it. We are like halfway through season one at this point. Isn't that crazy? In, in some ways, I feel like we've been doing season one forever. Yeah. In other ways, you know, it feels like it's gone really fast. But the next one is fun because it's with two parts. And keeping with the one with the blackout, they kind of incorporate other NBC mm-hmm. shows to explain why. Actually. Yeah. Try to explain why Ursula is looks we just like Phoebe and also lives in New yeah. York. Yeah. Yeah, so we meet Ursula, Phoebe's twin sister. And yeah. Then, um, I was thinking, like, John Lovitz was a pretty big character. So, like, for him, to have him as, like, a cameo, it was, like, a pretty big deal. But the next one is actually even bigger. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's part two of the one with two parts is even bigger. So, yeah. So it's about to get – there's some fun stuff coming up. I'm sure you already mm-hmm. know this because this show is, like, 20 years old. So <laughs> Yeah, no <laughs> really spoilers here because if you don't know, then you don't know. Yeah, we're like dropping little like teasers, and it's like, yeah, no, we we get it. Anyway, no, really, guys, we got um a sneak peek to this this episode of Friends. Yeah, sneak peek. We're friends with Marta Kaufman, so she just like told us. Yeah, totally. We'd love to be though, Marta. If you're listening, we would love to be friends with you. We'd just love to know what you're doing. We would. You wrote some fancy work, girl. Big Big fancy work. Big fans. Anyway, yeah, I mean, that's it. If you have any, uh, if nobody knows what you do, we would uh, love to yes. hear about it because we can totally relate. Um, but really, I, Ash, I think you nailed it. Like, if you're not like a teacher or a fireman, like, people don't get it. I was trying to explain. So um, my my friend had me down uh, for over Easter. I, like, went down and hung out with her family because I'm in a foreign country. And so, like, she was like, oh, just come hang out with my family. So I was down there with her family and her grandma was like, oh, so what do you do? And I thought I had nailed my explanation. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to like put this in like grandma's can understand it terms. And after we left from visiting with her grandma, my friend was like, yeah, she had no idea. She like glazed over as soon as you started talking. And I was like, oh, really? I thought she was like so engaged and like totally bad. She was like, no, she just didn't want to ask you to like explain it. <laughs> and I was like, right. So we totally get it. But, um, yeah, it's, so sometimes I lie and say I'm an astronaut, but Mm. then people probably ask more questions, but anyway, yeah. If you have a job that is like one of those trickier, more abstract, um, please write to us, let us know. We'd love to hear your struggles because we feel, yeah, it's difficult. Totally. Cool. Hey, thanks for joining us for this one, the episode with the stone guy. Join us next time for season one, episode 16. And 17 the one with two parts yeah which That's we we may or may not do as one episode i guess we'll see we'll see we'll yeah see. that'll be another little spoiler for you um, to find out so anyway um thanks for joining and we will see you next time this has been best friends club podcast bye, bye. bye.